This is my church. We serve special needs children, teens, adults, and young adults. If you're a parent, you would expect to have a safe environment for your child where they're loved and accepted just for who they are. Here at Lakeside, you can become the best possible version of who Jesus intended you to be. And this is my church. Good evening, everybody. I love that. This is my church. This is your church. And one of the things our church gets to do is care for children with special needs. Just amazing. And Denise is one of our leaders in that, so she does a fantastic job. So that's beautiful. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being here. <laughs> How do you, you, you? You're welcome. I don't know. How do you respond to that? So I'm glad you're here, and I hope you had a great day today. And uh, we're going to talk through scripture a little bit today as we go along, and we're going to sing some more songs of praise to our God and do some worship things together. So I expect it to be great. So one of the things that our church does is celebrate Christmas. We celebrated Christmas today with Christmas Around Town. We had like 60 different organizations. We had over 1,000 people here on our campus today. And just being generous to families that don't have as much, don't have the resources that some of us have, and being able to make it possible for them to celebrate Christmas by giving to one another, really, really great. So all of you who donated to that and all of you who participated and volunteered in that, Thank you so much for what you did to make that happen today and, and getting ready for that up in the last several weeks. So that was awesome. Uh, let's see, we got, and, we're, and we have Christmas coming up. Uh-huh. You all ready for Christmas? Good. Front and center. Ready to go. You guys in the back? <laughs> good. That was doubtful, but that's good. It's all right. So, um, yeah, so we're get, we have uh, three days of Christmas gatherings we're going to do Christmas Eve and the two days before Christmas Eve, so the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. We've got all these Christmas gatherings. The schedule's up here. The schedule's in Lakeside Life. Check it out. Make sure you know when those things are. Notice we're not going to have Sunday morning gatherings. This doesn't matter to you because you're Saturday nighters. We will have Saturday night, but no Sunday morning gatherings on Christmas weekend, just so, you know, in case you bounce back and forth, just so you know, that's going to be, everything's in the evening, the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. And no 11, no 11 o'clock this year on Christmas Eve, so don't like hold out for the whole weekend. I'm, I'm coming on Christmas Eve, and then you show up, I'm going to be snuggled in my nice little bed <laughs> by that time of night. So, okay, good. Now, you have friends. You have, do you have friends? Yeah. Good. Okay, awesome. That was better than if you're ready for Christmas. So you have friends. I want you to invite them to come. Some of your friends don't have a church family. If they have a church family, let them go there. That's awesome. But if they don't have a church family to be with, invite them to come and, and, and be with us. A lot of people are just waiting for someone to ask them. It's scary to walk into church by themselves for the first time, but it's not as scary if they come with you because you know everybody. They think you know everybody, so just bring them in, introduce them to everybody. Then they'll know everybody. Then it'll be nice. All right? So there's invitation. I'm not, I'm not making this up. There's invitations out there in the, in the lobby and pick them up. There's lots of creative ways to do that. So check out some of the examples that are out there. And uh, let's invite our friends to come and join us for Christmas. Deal? All right. Another thing we got going that we do as a church. So this is, this is my church. This is our church. One of the other things we're doing for church. We've never done this before. And we're going to do it this year. And I've got a couple of friends that I've invited to come up and help me tell what we're going to do together this winter. So uh, Trudy Hoekstra and Ed Kelly, why don't you guys come up and why don't you welcome them, please? All right, this is Trudy. This is Ed. And uh, Ed, you are the leader of what is called Heart of Folsom. 
yes. which is a beautiful name for this, but it's H-A-R-T. So tell us what Heart of Folsom is. Heart is Homeless Assistance Resource Team. Okay. It's a nonprofit group that uh, we are all Christ followers that uh, have volunteered from various uh, congregations and churches, and we walk side by side with the people that are homeless. We work with them. We try to help them get through what got them into homelessness and get them back onto a productive uh, member of society, uh, get them a job, hopefully housing, and uh, just address homelessness the best we can. That's awesome. So you do this like in Sacramento somewhere? No, this is in Folsom. Right, right in Folsom? In Folsom. Yeah, so we have a need for homeless ministry here in our town. Absolutely. Describe yeah. that for us. Um, there's probably about between 35 and 40 uh, unsheltered uh, homeless people that are in and around the creeks, the, the river, um, sometimes behind businesses and things like that. And, uh, you know, they, they, they all have fallen in that for some reason. We don't know what that reason is, but when we become uh, mentors to them and work with them, we help them get past those and, and hopefully back into a productive person. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. What, uh, so Heart's going to do a lot of things as you know, the days and months and years go by, but what's the first initiative that Heart is working on? Well, the thing that's coming up is uh, the cold, wet winter here. So, We're praying um, for wet. Yes, we are praying for wet. Um, starting December 17th and running through March uh, 4th, I think it is, uh, we will have a winter shelter. This uh, 11 weeks will be hosted at different churches throughout the, the area. There are seven churches that have opened their doors to house the homeless from 6.30 at night till 6.30 in the morning. And one church has allowed us to use their site as an intake center. So we will interview and make sure that the people that are coming are ready to come to this church and spend the night. So they'll come to the intake center, and then the, actually the city of Folsom has donated a bus and right. a driver on the weekday mornings and evenings Correct. to transport them to each church where they're going to spend the night. Yeah, yeah. Right? the city's That's, providing the yeah, bus right services, on, and, right then, and we have uh, one of the local hotels, Hampton Inn, is providing their vans for us to do it on the weekends. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, yeah it's that's a good, cool, right? It's, it's really good. All right. So you're in charge of the, like the whole thing overall with heart. Yeah. And Trudy, you're going to be our leader here at Lakeside when it's our turn to host the winter shelter. That's right, right yeah. So describe what we're going to do here then on our, on our weeks. So what we're going to do is during our time, we have two weeks. They're in February, February to the end, which goes into March. And we're going to have the, so the homeless are guests, come to the intake center at this other church that Ed was talking about. And then they come here in the van and the volunteer drivers. And then we host them for dinner and an activity. And so uh, then we offer them showers here and just a really warm place and safe place to stay when it's just so cold outside. Okay, so like what kind of activity? Like we're doing broom hockey in the auditorium? Or? <laughs> well, sometimes we'll do a movie. People will do like card games or other just uh, not, not too difficult games, but some, some kind of games or, or movie kind of usually. Okay, all right. Now, I imagine there's, uh, you know, I don't know, how, I don't know how all you feel about this, but I know there are different opinions and perspectives on how this goes. Some people are like, yeah, it's about time we're doing this as a church and as a community. And some people are like, hey, I don't know if that's, you know, great, because if we do this, more people will come or, you know. 
and or there's some fear that goes with that. Ed, talk about that a little bit. Well, there is some fear that goes along with that, yeah. and uh, the fear is out with the homeless people as well. They're wondering, what are they going to do to me? Oh, what, what's going to happen those when I show up there? Those crazy church people. Yeah, those crazy church people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Folsom, this is our first year of being uh, a program heart, but it has started uh, when I was in Elk Grove. We started the program five years ago, uh, and they have run that uh, winter shelter successfully for five years. The um, Citrus Heights has run it three years, and Ranch Cordova two, or vice versa. And then Carmichael Heart will be running it for the first time this year. Each of the communities have their own heart so that we address these issues. But we will send the people to where they need to go. We are really focused on the people that are here in Folsom, and we're trying to not just give them a warm place to stay, but to get them into services and to uh, connect them back to the community. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Trudy, how, if people want to get involved, um, we need a bunch of volunteers we to help. We need over 150 volunteers to be able to do this two-week period that we have signed up for for Folsom Winter Shelter. Okay. And, and they, what, so what will people do? Like they're, if someone signs up, they're in for two weeks, like six to six? And no, absolutely not. What, what does it look like? So you can sign up for just one shift, just a few hours on one evening. So it can be as small as that. Or uh, So we need different types of volunteers. A great opportunity for your small group is to be able to serve dinner and bring in dinner and serve dinner and be able to do the activity. And that's only a few hours on one evening and a great chance for your small group to get together and do something really good for people. Mm -hmm. And we also need people that will stay overnight and be able to make sure that the guests are comfortable and make sure that everything is okay with the facilities. And that you don't have to stay up overnight either. You can just stay up for a few hours in shifts. And we also need people like, uh, we're going to offer showers. And so we need people to help people uh, with the shower monitors to make sure that everything's safe and it's everything like for I, them. Like I'm so not monitoring the shower. You're not monitoring them in the shower, no, Brad, okay. no. Right, I'm sorry. Right. I'm just, we have questions. We <laughs> are intelligent beings that we have questions. Yes, yeah. yes that's okay. a good question. But yeah. we do have showers at Lakeside, yeah. and that's yeah. going to be a, a treat for our guests. It really right? is. So, it yeah. really is, yeah. Okay. Good. Anything we missed that we should say? So if you want to sign up yes. to help, you can mail Amy Brazil. The, her email address is in Lakeside right Life. Oh, and yeah. right there. Thank you. Or Ed and I are going to be out at the info bar afterwards, and you can come and talk to us. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll have a, a flyer out there. If you're interested in joining HART and becoming a member of the team and mentoring people and helping us in a number of different ways, there's just a lot more than just the winter shelter yeah. to HART. Awesome. All right. All right, you guys. Hey, let me pray for you guys and for what's going to happen this winter before you go, go running away from me. Okay? All right, let's pray together. Lord, thanks so much uh, for my friends here and what they're doing uh, among us and helping to lead Lakeside into and lead the other churches among us in our town into. I'm so grateful that the churches have teamed up together and are united in this desire to serve others who have great needs. So bless Ed and his leadership of the whole journey and Trudy and her leadership here for us at Lakeside. Uh, give them your blessing and your wisdom and your courage to be able to lead well. And Lord, for us as a church, I pray that we would jump in and be able to find a spot that fits our shape and how you've designed us and let us use those gifts well uh, on behalf of others this winter. Lord, thank you. We love you. Lead us as we look through scripture together tonight. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.
All right. Thanks, you guys. All right, jump in. There's 150 slots, and so you can't go, oh, somebody else will do it. They just need two. No, 150 or more. We, got, we can take as many as want to do it, so jump in on that. Okay, uh, let's look into Scripture together. We, we started a couple weeks ago in this series called Ascent, and we're talking about what we're calling road trip songs in the Bible. Uh, you know, you go on a road trip and you sing certain songs. You know, I went, we used to go, when I was in high school, we'd take a bus trip. Uh, with our high school ministry from the church, you know, I mean, we'd sing road trip songs on the way, you know, they didn't let us do that with 99 bottles of beer, you know, or that kind of stuff, but you, you could do like the song that never ends, it's really annoying to a bus driver, it's, it's terrible, but, but we, we, would, we, would, we would do road trip songs, and so in the scriptures, in Psalm 120 through 134, there are 15 road trip songs, and the people of Israel, when they would make their pilgrimage or their road trip up to the city of Jerusalem for the holidays three times a year, they would sing these songs. And some of the songs are songs of excitement, some of the songs are songs of anticipation, and some of the songs are songs of longing. And I want you to see tonight a song of longing as we look into Scripture. We've got some of our Christmas songs that are songs of longing. They're like, I want this, I want this. You know how a story is, a, is about a character who wants something, and he overcomes conflict to get it. We want something. We have a longing for it. So we sang a song tonight, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's every worship leader's favorite Christmas song. They don't like the other ones, but that one's like really musical or something. I, I, I don't really know, but... But they love that one. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. It's a longing in that song. That, that captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. That's all about longing. That's all about saying, God, you have something for us, and I can't see it yet. I don't know what it is yet. We have the advantage of looking backwards on it, so we see it more clearly. But for them in that generation, it's like, Lord, we want to see it. Oh, come, Emmanuel. And then it ends up like this. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. It's a song of longing. It's one of our Christmas songs. It's really, it's in, in a way, it's a road trip song. I want you to see a road trip song tonight from the scriptures. It's in Psalm 126. So if you have your Bible, why don't you pull it out and follow along. If you don't have your Bible, pull out your smartphone and open up the YouVersion Bible app. We've got uh, some notes in there. We've got the scripture references in there for you to read along if you want to do it that way. Or you can just listen to this. That's fine too. But here's Psalm 126, a song of ascents of going up or a road trip song. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. A song of ascent, a road trip song that is a song of longing. So we talked over the last couple of weekends about Hebrew poetry and how there's parallel 
parallelism in the poetry, like one, one line will be explained by the next, or one uh, line or one sentence will be amplified by the next, or contrasted by the next, or compared by the next, or something that one thing leads to another, that leads to another, and it's all the way through this psalm. And if you're like, you're into literature and you're into diagramming things, check it out. You can find out the parallels. You, you'll see them, and I'm not going to give them to all of you because most of you don't care pretty much how I see that. But know this, there are two stanzas in this song. I know in, in the English Bible, we've got them into six verses, but there's really two stanzas in the song. Ver- verses one through three is a stanza. Verses four through six is a stanza. And so we're going to look at those two stanzas of the song and see how they mesh together and how they work together. So 126 verses one through three, he starts off by saying, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. So your first question when you come to that has to be, where'd their fortunes go? Why did God have to restore their fortunes? What happened to their fortunes? Well, the people of Israel were exiles. In, in our generation, in, in modern war, when, when war happens, when war breaks out in a country, people flee. The armies are going at it. Their armies are going at each other, but the people flee. So you have Syria right now. And what's happened to the population of Syria while they have this civil war going on? The people flee. And they're running into Jordan, and they're running into Europe, and they're trying to get away from the fighting, so they flee. Now they're fug- not fugitives, they're refugees. Same, same root word. They're refugees. They're running. It's happening in Myanmar right now. It's happening in, uh, in Libya right now. All around the world, there are these places where there are hot spots, where there's fighting going on, and people leave, and they become refugees. And there's all kinds of debate in our country whether we should take more refugees in or not, and how, how does that all work, and everyone's got an opinion about that. I don't, I don't care about those opinions right now. The truth is there are refugees out there. And something happens with them. Now, in that, in that generation, when this was written, when there was, a, when there was a war or a conflict, people didn't have the means to flee so readily as they do today. And so a lot of times they'd be, they'd be stuck there in that space. And particularly if they lost the war, now they're at risk for their lives. And so the conquering army that comes in and defeats your city or your village or your territory or wherever that is, the conquering army sometimes would take everybody in the population and they would exile them. they just band them all up together and put them in wagons or get them on the road or whatever and exile them someplace else. And that's what happened to God's people, Israel. About 600 years before Jesus came, the people of Judah, which is the southern part of the nation of Israel, the people of Judah were conquered by Babylon and Babylon shipped them out to the country of Babylon. They became exiles outside of their homes. You are in exile when you have nothing left. That was God's people. They had nothing left. Now my guess is that most of us have never been exiles. Most of us have never been forcibly removed from our homes and pushed in some other direction. But there's a lot of ways you can feel the pressure of being in exile even in our world today. You, you might be in exile if your wife has kicked you out of the house and won't let you see your children. You might be in exile if your children have walked away from Jesus. You might be in exile if you wanted your marriage and your spouse didn't. You might be in exile if you had a job and now you don't have one any longer. Or you might be in exile if you have a job, but your boss keeps looking over you and looking over you and looking over you 
when it comes to promotion time. You, you might have had a house, but you can't pay for that. You might have then rented a house, but now you can't pay for that. You might have had a car to live in, but now you can't pay for that. If you're homeless, you know what exile is. And maybe you've never been forcibly moved from your home, but a lot of us know what it feels like to be totally empty. And that's the story of the people of Israel as they write this song. It says, when the Lord restored our fortunes, he couldn't restore our fortunes unless we lost everything in the first place. And here's the Jews, and they lost everything. And now they're exiles. Exile, being in exile creates longing. So here's the people of Judah. They're living for 70 years as exiles in Babylon, and they're longing for home. Imagine 70 years. What's the lifespan in America these days? 80? About 80? It's gone up in my lifetime. I'm I'm, I'm going to live longer than I thought I was. Like, oh, that's cool. But 70 or 80, even the Bible says 70 or 80 years. You know, that's about the length of our life. 70, and then if you have strength, maybe 80. That's it. Imagine your nation being in exile. Imagine our whole community of Folsom, El Dorado Hills, this region, all of us being exiled to some other place, and we're there for 70 years. And for 70 years, we couldn't get on a plane, we couldn't get on a train, we couldn't get on a bus, we couldn't go back home for 70 years. There would be people that were exiled and died in exile and never got to go home. And some of you in your lives, you look at it, it's like, am I ever going to get out of this? There would be people who were born in exile and had never seen home, but everybody around them keeps talking about Jerusalem as home. And they're like, we just want to go home. And here's this young generation growing up. They're like, this is home. And yet their parents and their grandparents taught them and talked to them and said, look, we have a home. It's in Jerusalem. We're going back there someday. And in a twist of history that is completely unique, the people of Israel, after 70 years, were sent home. They got to go home. Usually when, they, when someone was exiled, when a group was exiled, they just kind of blended into the crowd, and that's where they lived. And now instead of being Jews, they were Babylonians. But that's not how it was for this group. They got to go home, and God restored their fortunes. They came back to the land of promise. They came back to their homes. They came back to their fields. They went out empty, but they came back full. When the Lord restored our fortunes, we were like those who dreamed. Not like nightmares, like anticipatory dreams. We went out empty, but we came back full. And it says, and our mouths were filled with laughter. And here's one of those parallel statements. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Like those things go together. Our mouths were filled with laughter. When was the last time your mouth was filled with laughter? I had a couple in the lobby tonight. It's awesome, right? When was the last time your mouth was filled with laughter? Do you think about it? Do you, like, or is laughter just so common? It's like, oh, I laugh every day. If you're in exile, you don't laugh every day. If you're in exile in our world in some of the descriptions that I gave you or some that you can imagine, you don't laugh every day. They said our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Last Sunday night, my son and I, my son's home for a month or so, which is delightful to me, and uh, we're, we're sitting out in the great room watching football. 
And I don't know who was playing. It wasn't our team. didn't really matter. Just a game. And it's just a chance for he and I to hang out together, which was fantastic. And uh, Donna wasn't with us because she's got her shoulder that she's nursing back to health. So it's easier for her in the recliner, which is in our bedroom. So she, and she didn't want to watch football anyway. So, she, so we're watching football. She's in the other room watching some television show. And we're watching this football game. All of a sudden, I hear this outburst of laughter, which is not uncommon, uncommon for her. She, she likes to laugh out loud at the television. She doesn't get me because I just like, <laughs> she laughs out loud, right? So we're watching this game, and all of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> she's like, oh, well, that's Donna watching television. Not, not, nothing really new there. And then she does it again, and then she does it again. It's like, it happens so much. I'm like, I'm going in to find out what's going on. Turns out she's watching the Carol Burnett 50th anniversary show. <laughs> we gave up football and watched the show with her. It's like mouthfuls of laughter. But the laughter they're talking about is when something has been so bad for you, and then all of a sudden it gets better, and you just can't help it. So all of a sudden you have mouthfuls of laughter. You, your tongue is filled with songs of joy. So I had my second grandbaby 10 weeks ago. Yeah, mouthfuls of laughter. It's fantastic, except she was born 12 weeks early. And you go, oh, that's, that's really not good. She weighed 2 pounds, 6 ounces when she was born. She's still in the hospital. But on Thursday, they moved her from the NICU to like the regular nursing unit. It's like, oh, mouthfuls of laughter. I have a, so here's my little Penelope. <laughs> Woo, Penelope and Mama and Grammy right there. So mouthfuls of laughter. And I'm just praying for the day she comes home. And when she comes home, man, it's going to be mouthfuls of laughter. My other daughter, not, not Penelope's mama, but my other daughter, she's been working in a job for the last couple of years that she hates, and she had a job before that in a, in a role that she did, just really didn't care for a lot, but in the job that she wanted to do, she had to put in so much time, because like, you've got to have two years of experience or four years of experience or something to get where she wanted to go, and so she's been doing time. Not like our friends in the gated community nearby, different, but... <laughs> Sorry, I'll wait. I'll wait. You know, never mind. (laughs) She'd been doing time in this job, and and she finally, last Friday, she started the job that she wanted. I'm like, oh, my daughter's worked her tail off trying to get to the place where she could get this job, and she did all this time in this place that she didn't like, and, and now she's got a job that she loves, and she loves the people that are in there, and she loves what she gets to do. She's working with math all day long. It's like... Whatever. <laughs> but mouthfuls of laughter because it's exactly what she wants to do. And if you have a child who's an adult and they get to do what they want to do, that's just a beautiful thing. It's like out of exile into the place where you want to be. Mouthfuls of laughter. You go out empty, you come back full. That happened in the scripture with the people of Judah. It happened in the scripture with Naomi who laughed during the story of, of Ruth. She laughed, she comes back, she says, I came back empty. But God made her full when she came back. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, read pagans. These are people that don't worship Yahweh. They don't worship the God of the scriptures. They don't worship the God who created the universe. They're not worshiping that God. They worship all kinds of other gods. But it was so good for the people of Israel that it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. 
the pagans were praising God because of what he did for his people. The Lord has done great things for them. And then the people of Judah, the people of Israel, they pick up the song and it says, Now the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Sometimes you live your life in exile. And frankly, sometimes it goes on way longer than you expected it to go. And probably everybody pretty much expects to have hard things that come into their lives every now and then, you know, like, okay, for a day or two, you might have something hard that comes into your life. Or maybe for a week or two, you might have something hard that comes into your life. Or, you know, sometimes maybe it'll last for a month or two or something. For them, it lasted 70 years. And then God brought them back. And they said, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. One of the things we have as a, as a value here at Lakeside Church is we celebrate life-giving grace. I've been, I've been asking people a lot these days about their faith story. Like, well, tell me your faith story. How'd you, how'd you begin to be a follower of Jesus and what led up to that for you? And I, I just keep thinking of this phrase in Psalm 126. Oh, the Lord has done great things for you and you are filled with joy. It's amazing what God does for for us and in us as he has Christ in us. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Now, how'd that happen? How'd that happen for the people of Judah? How'd it happen when, when this happens for no other tribes around the world, when it happens for no other tribes in history? How does it happen for the people of Israel that they're gone for 70 years and they get to come back to their houses? How does that happen? We'll go to the second stanza of the song. There's a first stanza and there's a second stanza. The second stanza describes how they got there. We're not usually familiar with the second stanza of a song. Have you noticed that? Like the, like the, like the really famous songs, we're not, we're not really dialed into the second verse. You, do you know this one? This is the second verse of the Star-Spangled Banner. Do you know the first verse? That was a yes or no question. Yeah, one. I got one, one. Yeah, here's, here's verse two of the Star-Spangled Banner. You know this? On the shore dimly seen through the mists of the deep where the foe's haughty host in dread silence reposes. What is that which the breeze or the towering steep as it fitfully blows half conceals, half discloses? Now it catches the gleam of the morning's first beam and full glory reflected now shines in the stream. Tis the Star-Spangled Banner. Oh, long may it wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's inspiring. You should know that. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We sang it, we sang it together today. We, we sang two verses of that. We sang verse 1 and verse 4. Yeah, you know, do you know the second verse? No, that, that's verse 4. Yeah, we, we skipped verse 2. I'm going to give you verse 2. Yeah, I'm going to give you verse 2 right here. Josh, we skipped that one. Here. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who... To thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Look it up. <laughs> no, I'm just saying we don't, really, we don't really dial into the second verse that much, but sometimes the second verse is really, really important. Like here, this is the second stanza of the song, 126. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. The song, the path of the song changes from reporting to praying. 
And I think what happened is they were praying this song. They were praying this song, but they didn't know the first verse. They didn't know the verse that everyone was going to remember. They only knew the second verse, the second stanza, because that's what they were praying over and over. Lord, restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. You, you pray like that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, nobody prays like that. We don't even know what a Negev is. So Negev is the southern part of the nation of Israel. We, in our country, we call it the south. They call it the Negev, and it's a desert. It's as dry as dust. Except a few weeks out of the year, it rains in the mountains. And when it rains in the mountains, the creeks begin to rise. And the creeks begin to fill with water, and it flows down into the Negev. And so the song, the prayer of the Jews was, Lord, restore our fortunes. They're off in Babylon, which is another dusty territory, but they're living in this city, and they're off in Babylon. They're praying, Lord, restore our fortunes, just like every year in the rainy season. You let the rain come into the Negev. That's what we're praying for. If you're in exile, you don't need to be taught to pray. such a weird thing as followers of jesus when someone puts their faith in jesus among us we want to teach them certain things we want you to learn certain like we want you to learn to read the bible you know we want you to learn how to study we want you to learn how to pray we teach you how to pray if you're in exile you don't need anybody to teach you how to pray you're already praying there's a rumor that they outlawed public like prayer in public schools about 50 years ago look as long as there are tests in geometry there will be prayer in public school you can't take it out. Why? Because if a kid's got to pass a geography test and move on, he's going to pray or she's going to pray. It's like, oh, God, help me. Now they're in the desert like, oh, God, help us. Oh, God, restore our fortunes like streams in the desert. And some of you, if you're in exile, you've not been praying that prayer because you might not know what a Negev is. But you're praying a prayer like that. And they prayed this prayer for 70 years. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the desert. And then it goes on and says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. That was their prayer before it ever got answered. Because a heart of an exile never stops longing for home. And so they prayed this, and they prayed this, and they prayed this, and then they found out that those who sow with tears reap with songs of joy. How does that happen? It happens when you begin to put some feet to your prayers, as you see in the last phrase of this stanza of the song. Verse 6, those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. You know what seeds are? Sheaves are the outcome. Sheaves are bundles of grain. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. They went out with seeds. They came back with sheaves. They went out empty. They came back full. He's saying, I want you to pray. If you're, if you're in exile, you're going to be praying. But while you're praying and while you're going, don't forget to carry seeds with you. 
Seeds are the beginning. Sheaves are the end. Seeds are the investment. Sheaves are the return on investment. Seeds are faith. Sheaves are outcome. You can't make the outcome, but you can harvest it, and you can carry seeds. So you look at your life, and you, man, you go, man, I, I've been in exile. This, is, it's, this has not been the way that I thought my life was going to go. Remember to carry seeds. Remember to carry seeds of faith. Remember to carry seeds of hope. Remember to carry seeds of love. Because those create a return on investment. Never leave your place of blessing without seeds. Never leave for exile without carrying seeds. Seeds of the future, wrapped in an almost invisible package. Never forget to carry seeds. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. When tears are your traveling companion, remember to carry seeds. They're little tiny things that you carry in your heart that says, Jesus, I trust you. My world is empty, but I trust you. And I'm going to carry that seed with me every day until you restore my fortunes, Lord. The second stanza is the prayer. First stanza is the song. And the prayer of faith is the seed for the song of joy. Jesus, I pray for us today in this. I don't know everybody's heart. I don't know everybody's story today. I might have known their story last week, but it's different this week. I don't know. But I'm confident that you know every story. There's not a person in exile here today whose story you don't know. And so, Lord, I pray for my friends throughout the room that as you know our story, that you would return us from exile. We trust you. That's our seed. We have hope in you. That's our seed. We look forward to Christmas. Even that story is our seed of faith. And our seed of hope. And our seed of love for you and for others. And so take that seed that we carry with us. Lord, you plant it. You water it. You cause it to grow into mouthfuls of laughter and songs of joy. Lord, thank you. We love you. Amen.